Welcome to Authorized, a podcast where we affectionately discuss the novelization of any film fortunate enough to have one. Sprawling and intellectually interrogative, our discussions both contain nuance as well as find nuance in the texts we read. Then, at the end of a season, we cravenly steamroll all dimensionality away by ranking these books from worst to best. Gone is the consideration for the artistry of the prose. As an author's lush descriptions and character insights are coldly evaluated and dropped into neat categories. No matter how smart, witty, and well-read we are, we are not immune to the potent poison that internet listicles released upon culture around 2006. We are your hosts, a loose coalition of novelization enthusiasts. My name is Andrew Overby. I'm Hannah Blackman, And I'm Andrew Marco. Now, before we jump into talking about novelizations, which ones are better than others, I figured we've been doing a lot of reading recently. Let's, uh, let's just sort of talk about, you know, what's, what's going on for us. So I put together a few questions. Guys, what is the best thing that you have read but not for this podcast in recent years? I understand that this podcast has cut into our reading immensely, so feel free to reach far back <laughs> into the past. I'm a big reader, so I've continued reading. I just have done my best. Um, I read the book of Nightmare Alley, which was very good. And I honestly think that reading that book and watching the 40s movie made me like the new one a whole lot less. (laughs) It really, I think I would have liked that movie more if I had gone in with zero context. I guess the Academy didn't also read the old book and watch the movie. I don't want to get into it. I don't understand (laughs) it. Marco, how about you? Uh, I, I had to go back a bit because, you know, mm-hmm. most of the things I read are nonfiction profiles of long defunct cults. That counts. Uh, that absolutely yeah. counts. Well, I didn't just want to go to my bread and butter. So <laughs> I uh, remembered I read a book a couple of years ago called The Stranger in the Woods, which is about this. It's a true story of this hermit on a pond in Maine who just like lived in the woods for 28 years and no one noticed. Oh yeah, I remember reading like a very long article about him yeah. once. Well, the funny thing was I had a house with my family on the lake next to this lake and it was like a joke in the area. They're like, oh yeah, you lost batteries? It must be the hermit or whatever you lost. And then it all turned out to be true. <laughs> so it was a very vindicating book and a very interesting read. That is horrifying. Um, <laughs> first off, I just want to say I, I've been avoiding the new Nightmare Alley. I, I, I'm... I had a really bad time with Shape of Water, and I wasn't too well-versed in Del Toro, and um, I saw a review of Nightmare Alley that was like a five-star review, and it was like, it's a uh, 130 minutes, but it feels like three and a half hours, and I was like, I will <laughs> never watch this movie ever you in my life. You should watch the one from the 40s, which is like a tight 110, maybe, and is good. <laughs> like, 100, it's great. 110, one of the best run times a movie can have. I think my personal favorite is 106. An hour mm. and 46 minutes is the perfect length for, <laughs> for a quality movie. So, Can you give an example of a 106-minute movie? Uh, I think Soul is 106 minutes. The Pixar movie? Yeah, the Pixar movie from like two years ago, which... Soul is like, in my opinion, a very dense movie. It sets up a high concept. It has a lot of plot, and it does that very satisfying thing where it finds ways to like re-enter the high concept. So you're like, 
in the real world and then like they're they're poking back into you know this uh sort of existential pre-world there's a lot going on in that movie but it doesn't run two hours and 15 minutes which by all indications for modern culture it it should because it has a lot of ideas well so my spreadsheet of the movies i own has a list of the runtime so i can tell people oh you want to watch a movie that's under two hours here's a list nice so the movies i own that are 106 minutes are the graduate gremlins and gremlins 2 these are three bangers in a row quantum of solace (laughs) i like it Mm -hmm. (laughs) whiplash and young frankenstein I want to say that my favorite movie of all time, Flatliners, is 115 minutes. So, okay, look, there are <laughs> there are exceptions. My favorite movie is 135, but in general, I and I'm I, saying one minute off your 116 is pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like everything we've just discussed proves my point in spades. Um, although Hannah, I believe I I suggested that 106 was the sweet spot, so nine minutes off. I, I won't bore you with the movies I have that are 116 minutes. Save that for the next season's recap. You, mm. you don't have to bore us with the movies that are 116 minutes because they're already boring us. <laughs> All right. I mean, there is something to be said that every movie over 90 minutes should be 10 minutes shorter. I don't know if I agree with that, but I definitely think that it's it's a trend right it's like we're now making movies and writing scripts so that they're structured in a way where they end up padded out i think that if Look, you make a three-hour epic a two and a half hour like, movie but what if it was 225 instead that's all i'm saying yeah i mean andrew's in the midst of rewatching all the friday 13th movies which are all 10 minutes too long and they're all 88 minutes so. <laughs> also i should true. i should state that it's only re-watching in the sense that I am repulsed by about half of them. <laughs> I've never seen these movies before. Okay, I, I'll just jump in and say the, the, the best thing I've read in recent years is the Charlie Kaufman novel Ant Kind, which, weirdly, I, I read a lot of books. I didn't finish this book, and I'm still going to say it's my favorite thing that I've read in the last couple years. It's like an 800-page behemoth. And it's um, <laughs> the plot of which, did I say it wrong? Yes. Behemoth, okay? <laughs> Whatever. Behemoth? It, the H is probably silent. I don't give a shit. So the, um, it's, it's an 800-page doorstop where it, it is like about a guy who's like a very pretentious sort of a film critic who discovers the best film ever made and then promptly accidentally sets it on fire and goes about basically like the rest of his life trying to still attain the glory that would have come with discovering the best film ever made. Um, is it too long? Yes. Does it get worse as it goes? Kind of. But I gave up on it being like, oh, I, I don't like this very much anymore and i think about the book every single day and i think about how funny it was like super often so Hmm. all right moving on what is a brighter exciting thing going on in your life at large or specifically today andrew marco oh uh so i work at a high school and we're doing our winter musical next week and i'm playing in the band for that so that'll be fun Um, what's the musical it's something rotten Oh, that's in Which high is, schools now? 
Uh, it shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's not a show I love, but I'm doing a lot of keyboard programming for it, which is a fun kind of thing to learn. That's fun. Hannah Blackman. Hannah, what about you? Yeah. Who, me? Yeah, Hannah, what about you? Well, yeah. just to date this in the most specific way, uh, West Side Story's coming to streaming got announced today. That new Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi show got announced with a date today. My car is arriving on Monday. It's a, yeah, I don't know. I don't do a lot in my life. So those were my bright spots today. It was like, soon I'll be able to watch my favorite movie of 2021 every day and ruin my friends' lives. I mean, if you think that's sad, I literally <laughs> wrote the question myself and I couldn't come up with an answer. Oh, what's it, going on it, at large? It, yeah, is it's just not got? biking weather yet? That's actually what I have written down, is that right now there is nothing that is really going well or that I'm excited about, but we're like a month away from when it's still too cold, but I start biking anyway. Yeah. I mean, in Connecticut today, it was like 45 and I, and I was ready to go, but it's going to be 55 in Santa Fe next week. Uh, Chicago's a little different from those two places. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Elaborate. I, I am salting, you know, my back steps every day. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I am having a particularly rough winter just, uh, I don't know what it was about last winter. It felt like the entire world was actually shut down and I was, I felt very free to just be like shut in and whatever. And, and I really enjoyed it. And this winter, I'm just not, not feeling it. I'm getting the, the seasonal depression real hard. But um, the moment I get back on the bike in like four weeks, it, it always just immediately turns me around. So I'm feeling the same way. I feel like this is like the first stretch of season during the pandemic where I've actually kind of felt trapped a little bit, even though there are things to do, you know, but, you know, I'm not really going out as much as I'd like. And I feel like it, not having things like hiking and biking uh, to the same extent that I did in the warmer months is sad. Yeah. This is why I'm so excited to have a car here, because I've just been sharing a car with my folks, which means I really just can't leave whenever I want. Yeah, <laughs> that I is be brutal. i got to be able to get out and do something and feel why free to do that. Why not take the subway, so. Hannah? Oh, yeah, let me just take the subway. <laughs> There's barely a bus system here. Hannah, what is the best... I'm just going through the questions I wrote. What is the best movie that you first watched for this podcast? Well, I had seen most of the movies, so it really limited this mm -hmm. question and the answer is willow hey i mean uh, which not I a bad seen movie and i liked a lot and otherwise it's like that or like great expectations which i didn't like a lot so yeah. it's willow mm -hmm. I liked willow are those really the only two you hadn't seen i think so wow i love movies man yeah andrew marco i mean i was in a similar boat i had seen a lot of these i mean I'm the most sort of like I'm glad I've seen it but didn't like is Great Expectations where it's like <laughs> I'm glad I can now be like have you guys seen this fucked up Great Expectations remake uh, but Willow is definitely the best of the books we read but I think the most enjoyable of anything we've watched was Jane Austen Book Club oh good point yeah. I have not seen Jane Austen Book Club you're right that's up there for sure and Book Club you know anything Book Club for me <laughs> Over B? Yes. What do you got? What's the film you liked? Well, I, I bent the Is rules a little bit because <laughs> I didn't do a film I watched for the podcast. I more did a film I watched because of the podcast. 
and it was a little film called Jurassic Park, uh, which I which I enjoyed a lot, and <laughs> I really loved not more than Jurassic Park, but I just really loved the Lost World Jurassic Park, the second movie, which seems to be somewhat maligned. That really warms my heart. Most people think it's bad, but I think it's really, really good. And then the last half hour is not ideal. But right up until San Diego, it's like just great, I think. I, I even kind of like San Diego. <laughs> I think we've talked about it. I just wish Vince Vaughn was in it. If Vince Vaughn was in the San Diego <laughs> section, I'd be like 10 out of 10 stars. Perfect movie. <laughs> True. Yeah. I mean, I love I I like the original Jurassic Park trilogy a lot. Uh, and. I, I love that Steven was like, I'm going to have the greatest year of a director could ever have. <laughs> Jurassic Park and Chemist List. Take four years off, rest and relax, and then hang out with my friends again. Not all my <laughs> friends. Mostly just Jeff Goldblum, but my friends. And some new friends. Julianne. Yeah. Vince. That teenage and I girl. Think, you know, Yanush really wanted to know how to film a dinosaur. And he, <laughs> he did it. And if not for knowing how to film a dinosaur, how would he have filmed Abraham Lincoln? You know, <laughs> Hannah Blackman. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I didn't even so look at the formal. next question. I just threw it at you. Yeah, you know, we're on a bit of a time constraint, and I was like, let's just let's just yeah, fucking I mean, lightning round it, it right? You know, let's do it. Um, but 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 uh, I I I don't think our podcast has a problem with letting things breathe in general. Um, <laughs> Hannah, what entertainment or media has most gotten you through the pandemic years so far? The answer is Perry Mason. Not a surprise to any of us who follow <laughs> Hannah on Letterboxd. I, yes, I have watched nine full seasons of the Perry Mason CBS 1957 to whatever TV show. And then I have watched all but like four of the made for TV movies. And from Perry Mason, I also got Ironside, one of my favorite shows now. Theor I mean, Columbo came out of that too, being like, I'm just going to watch like old time mysteries now. So yeah, it changed my life, changed my future. Everything's good. Thank you, Perry Mason. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Marco. Yes. Same question, different answer. Oh, I mean, what if it's the same answer? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't believe him. <laughs> it's not completely off base because I have basically watched every episode of Unsolved Mysteries during the pandemic. Uh, I don't know why. It's comforting. It also terrifies me if I watch it when it's dark outside. Uh, I like uh, during the day I'll be like this is a laugh riot I'm having a great time and at night I'm terrified and pooping my pants <laughs> uh, and I've also been I got into a lot of like new YouTubers who are more like commentary on like trends and stuff recently like people like Danny Gonzalez and like I just like have been enjoying their personalities and hanging out with them they're I consider them my friends now so love a parasocial yeah. relationship yeah Hell yeah. Overby, what's, what's been getting you through it? Well, first off, I have to say, Marco, I, I have I forgot to tell you that I'm like mad at you about the, the um, uh, what kind of TV do we both have? Um, Samsung? Samsung. I'm mad at you about the Samsung TV thing because you. I was over at your place and you told me, oh yeah, it's weird. There's this channel that just shows uh, Unsolved Mysteries. It's all it shows. You can just watch it whenever. And I was like, okay, cool. I got back to my home and I was like, hey, partner do you know that um th this is my romantic partner i wasn't like in a western um you both <laughs> yeah i was like do you know that there are channels on samsung tv that just show this same show every day and now it's always dallas cowboys cheerleaders making the team and i'm not <laughs> thrilled about it so just change it to degrassi channel at night 
Okay, my answer to this question, what entertainment most got me through the uh, pandemic years? No surprise, it was revisiting all seven Saw films I'd seen and watching two new ones I hadn't. Um, There's something really heartwarming about, I think, like, the series' obsession with its own continuity, because as shitty as the story is, the connectedness really makes me feel like the filmmakers care about me and respect (laughs) my intelligence and uh, investing in, in those movies feels like I'm actually spending my time well. That doesn't really go for the most recent two, which are trying to be pop hits and, and are not uh, appeasing the, the hardcore fans. But those first seven <laughs> are like, we know you're a freak who only watches Saw movies. Welcome back, you weirdo. <laughs> what a beautiful way to be and to be treated. Like, that's the dream is for someone to be like, you're a sicko and I love you for it. Yeah. Welcome uh, back. Lee Wanell, uh, I really appreciate it. Also, with that other guy that's directed like four, Darren Lynn Dar- Bousman. Yeah. Yes. First, Depot, the Gemini Opera. Every time I'm on Letterboxd now and I go to type something else into my URL bar, the browser's like, you're about to type Darren Lynn Bousman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, we got to get him on the pod. We got to find that man. A dream guest. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, All right. So what a long journey it's been, guys. Two seasons, 20 novelizations. Uh, Before we go into sort of a more in-depth discussion of why we liked certain books, Hannah, I was thinking you and I could just run down 10 to 1 season 2. Sure, for ourselves. What was the worst? What was the best? Yeah, why don't you start us off? Okay, so 10, Good Burger. Ooh. Nine. I wasn't yeah, expecting this, that, actually. Here's the deal. I just want to clarify. I have no memory whatsoever of, like, any of these books in a <laughs> way. So I was following, like, my instincts and my Goodreads-like rankings, uh-huh. which is not reliable. So a lot of this is, like, me following my heart more than a real statement on quality. No, okay, I, think, so I, think that's, I think that's apt. So anyway, 10, Good Burger. 9, Shanghai Nights. 8, Die Another Day. 7, Mean Girls. 6, Aliens. 5, Batman and Robin. 4, Willow. 3, The Sixth Sense, including the addendum books. (laughs) 2, Sky Captain. 1, Terminator 2. Wow! That is so different than what I expected. I I mean, it's shocking to me. I'll, I'll do my 10 first, and then I'll say what's shocking to me. So okay, go for it. Here we go. Number 10, Die Another Day. I thought for sure we would be in agreement that this is like the most moribund turd it, that we've ever really read. It seems like I don't like junior novelizations, which is not true, but they are at the bottom of my list. And then I've got nine, Batman and Robin, which I liked Batman Forever a lot, and I was just so let down by and Robin. Uh, eight good burger. I, I agree with you. It sucks. I just think <laughs> Die Another Day sucks more. That's a that's a normal opinion about Die Another Day. Did you even say Mean Girls? Yeah, it was my number seven. Okay, I've got number seven. Mean Girls. We're in agreement. That's exactly how good it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what a double blind study is, right? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number six, The Sixth Sense. I'm not including the spinoff books. <laughs> the, those are a different breed. Number five, Shanghai Nights. I thought that you liked that one a lot. Uh, I like but that movie. I, the, the book is too simple. If it was a full novelization for adults, maybe I would love it. All right. Well, more on that later. Number, <laughs> number four, Terminator 2. Uh, yeah, just really pluses up the book in a lot of ways I like. 
Number three, Sky Captain. Number two, Aliens. Number one, Willow. Exciting stuff. Yeah, good times. Wow, only one commonality amongst you. Well, I think the top of the list is similar for both of us. Terminator 2, Sky Captain, Willow are in the top of both of our lists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're not totally not agreeing. Die Another Day, Good Burger, both towards the bottom. Mean Girls in the exact same place. Yeah, I think Shanghai Nights is really our one major disagreement. Yeah. Andrew, do you, do you have any thoughts on this, even if you, you don't have a prepped list? Yeah, I mean, of, of the books that I read, I definitely think Terminator 2 was top tier. Uh, I probably had problems separating Die Another Day from my love of the film Die Another mm-hmm. Day because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I, I want to sleep in the warm bath of that universe for as long as I can. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely agree with Mean Girls, Shanghai Nights, Good Burger being at the lower end of the list just in terms of what they add and what we sort of look for in these things. I'm surprised Good Burger to go, Hannah, did not make your list. <laughs> it's so, f- it's like there's 10, then there's a gap yeah. of 100 books, and then there's Good Burger to go. Yeah. Which I haven't and, read and I refuse oh. to at this point. I never will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it seems to sort of make sense. It was a It was a varied season. We didn't do this for season one. But I feel like if we had, you know, those books in a lineup, I think you probably would be in more agreement on season one than on season two. Because, you know, we had the high highs of Revenge of the Sith and the low lows of Great Expectations. And the only real disagreement I feel like we all had was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in a major way. I will say that I have all of the novelizations we've covered ranked on Letterboxd. And uh, they have a site for books, Andrew. I know, I know. But yeah, and we as a podcast have a Goodreads, so oh, now just we dropping have to have that Goodreads. down. Absolutely, check us out on Goodreads. <laughs> but I, I, looking at my list on Letterboxd, I, I realized that it really is heavily weighted towards season one. And I don't know why that is. Because we started out strong, we picked a bunch of favorites. I mean, I've and been having tumble down a hole. As, I'm having a lot of fun. Exactly, I'm having as good of a time, if not better, in season two than season one. And season two largely took the onus off of us because in season one, I was being like, "What the fuck is Bloodshot? Let's do that." I haven't heard of that. And then in season two, we had a lot of like guest picking books and stuff like that. So it's not because of some choice we made. It's just chance, I guess. All right. So this next section, I think, will become more interesting as the podcast continues and as we do more ranking episodes. A ranking of the top 10 novelizations that we've covered so far, which is going to sort of look a lot like our last list, I think. Uh, Whereas when we've done, you know, many, many more books, these will start to look very different. So, Hannah, from, from 10 to 1... You want to run that down and maybe maybe talk yeah, about any you have deal. thoughts here's on? Here's the deal. Um, I only got to eight, <laughs> sure. which I know sounds crazy because we have read a lot of books, but I guess I just couldn't, I don't know, I was struggling to find like a comprehensive list of everything we've covered and my Goodreads wasn't doing it and I was just struggling real hard. Hannah so, doesn't follow me on Letterboxd, so. I do, I do. And I literally just now was like, can I look at his and fill in the last two? And then I like tried to search you on Letterboxd and it just like wasn't coming up mm-hmm. in the way that I needed it to. You're spelling it O-V-E-R-B-E-E. 
<laughs> right, that's how you spell it. That's your name? Yeah. My friend who I care about very much. Oh, no, there you are. Hold on, hold on. How about you do your list first? I'm ready. And then I will be ready. Let's do this. my actual top 10. All right. Number 10. In number 10. Wild Defiance of Hannah. Number 10 all time. Shanghai Nights. Oh, wow. I, I'm just going to speak on this one really briefly. So I think that this is an impressive book. It's like the junior novelization kind of sucks. It's it like always. The thing about Shanghai Nights is it is worse than a lot of the other books because it is a children's novelization and it can't engage in the sort of like pros and some of the creativity that a full-fledged novelization can. I think what Ellen Miles does with Shanghai Nights is really impressive because she makes it weirdly artful in its language for a kid's book. That's my take. That's why it's number 10. I'm not going to do this one of these for all of them. Don't worry. Okay, you've convinced me. I'm adding it to my own list. (laughs) Number nine is Terminator 2, which I like very much. Number eight, Batman Forever gives you everything you want from the movie plus just pluses up everything just a little bit number seven sky captain number six aliens number five bloodshot bloodshot has really stayed in my memory i think that it uh has maybe the best written action of any of the action books that we've read uh number four gremlins the original novelization for this podcast i love how deep George Gipe gets on the characters in Gremlins. The interiority there is like unmatched. We know he has this omniscient point of view. We know exactly what every character is thinking about every other character, and it somehow makes it more engaging as opposed to being being too much. Number three, Willow, which now we're just into like god-tier novelizations. I love Willow. I think that my top three are three different kinds of great novelization. Willow Mm -hmm. changes up structure. It's like, I'm gonna have, you know, these chapters that are weird headings and tell a specific story not told in the movie, right? But generally sticks to the story of the movie, just tells it beautifully. Number two, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, another point of great disagreement. Maybe not even a novelization, but a a book that says, you love this story, and I know you love this story, so I'm going to give you something new that still qualifies as this story, but is in every way just sort of like a director's cut of the movie. Uh, And then number one, of course, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, which is the perfect novelization in the sense that it stringently holds to the plot that the movie puts forward, but just fully inserts scenes that instead of distracting from the plot, support the plot that was in the original movie that felt unsupported, which I adore. Yeah, we all agree. Revenge of the Sith, best novelization of all time, probably. Like, just a genuinely excellent book. Just one of the best. I hope that we dethrone it at some point (laughs) it would be amazing i would i mean i would be so excited to read a book as good as that i think it's unlikely that we dethrone it and that we are in agreement about the usurping i think it's Mm -hmm. possible that i'll have a new number one someday but you won't or vice versa yeah okay i'm ready to give my list and again this is mostly based on the power of my heart okay Okay. great so it sounds like it's going to be terrific then yeah, um, 10, Shanghai Nights, you've convinced me. 
Yes. Nine. Gremlins. A book I didn't read, but everyone says is good, so I'm happy to put it on there. <laughs> I didn't read that one. It wasn't on that episode. Your only appearance <laughs> off the podcast. Yeah, but it's, everyone says it's great, so I'm putting it on the list. Number number eight, Moby Dick. Haven't read it, but if this many people are talking about it. <laughs> you know, now there's a like, book to movie to book I'd love to read someday. A hundred percent. That'd be fun. Big fan of Moby Dick is a book. Number eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have major qualms with it, but it's pretty well written. Awesome. Seven, Batman Forever. Good book. Six, Wild Wild West. Won me over in discussion. <laughs> I think that episode was such a blast. And I'm like, that book rules. Good book. My best friend, Artemis Gordon. Five, Sky Captain. I, just a nice, good, good book. Better than the movie. Interestingly written. Really rich and engaging. Mm-hmm. Four, Six Sense, Secrets from Beyond. Yes! <laughs> I'm not going to let those go. They are some of the greatest <laughs> books we've read. They're some of the greatest books that. written, yeah. <laughs> Huge fan of them. They're number four. Number three, Terminator 2. Very rich, very good. Has a lot in it. Two, Willow. A book that's just, I read as a book and rocked. One, Revenge of the Sith. Not surprising. I have one qualm with your list, which is, didn't you rank Terminator 2 above Willow in your season? Well, I changed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I feel super persuasive right now. (laughs) I think you are persuading me. I kind of, I think I had forgotten how much I liked Willow as a standalone book. Um, which affected my season two ranking. And then during the period when you were handling a dog, I thought a little bit more about it as a book and I put it above Terminator 2. Love it. Andrew, what, what's my up? My overall ranking. Well, I was just going to say, I think you, uh, both your lists sort of also highlight episodes that, you know, things that were effective episodes of our podcast and that they, they look like the, con- the, con- the gestation of this podcast is, the conception of this podcast was all about, you know, this idea of like the novelization having more or adding to the book. And I think most of the entries that you guys touch on, especially stuff like Revenge of the Sith, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Gremlins, Terminator 2, they add to the book in a way that makes them worthwhile. And if I was to recommend, you know, books for people who want to listen to this podcast and then so read and then listen, those on your top tens are probably what I would say. So if I'm hearing you correctly, if a former guest of this podcast is listening and their episode didn't make the cut, they did poorly and weren't entertaining. And I guess I agree. So, yeah. And even though I'm dating one of those guests. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We love Collins separate from that. (laughs) We do. Yeah. Collins has a lot of goodwill. All right. So a couple questions looking forward. Hannah, what media most excites you coming into 2022? Uh, those two Tom Cruise movies that I'm supposed to get this year? No, they have or already been pushed back. Both of them? Have uh, been pushed oh. out of 2022? Which ones did you mean? Uh, Top Gun Maverick and Mission Impossible 7. Mission Impossible 7 is gone. pushed to the end of the I year. God no. damn it. It's still, still coming out. Top Gun we're gone. still getting, but who cares? I need a new Tom Cruise but, movie. Me, okay. I care. Okay, I care Hannah. Mummy Defender, Hannah. Worry, because 
there is there are two Kenneth Branagh movies coming out this year. That's true. I'm so excited to see Death on the Nile. That is happening for me. Do you also know like he's tomorrow. making a Bee Gees biopic? I did. I love Ken <laughs> Branagh. No one should be mean to him. The Death on the Nile trailer has sent me into like a full relapse of Depeche Mode fandom. <laughs> and I am listening Hell to yes. them all the time. All right. Andrew Marco, what media most excites you coming into 2022? Uh, well, since they announced David Lynch has joined the cast, I'm very excited for The Fablemans. Oh, my the God. New, yeah. Uh, Steven Spielberg movie. I also have an intense, morbid curiosity for Halloween Ends because mm. I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. And I hope they go whole, uh, uh, full Halloween three and just make it weird. I think that movie's going to be good. I, I feel like I feel like I've said this before. I feel like he had two ideas and they made him make three movies that's just my theory um all right uh someone ask me oh baby, what are you excited for you could just say what you're yeah excited great for. we don't have to there's ask no you. Like, we're in conversation there's no, there well we might get that safety brothers show with emma stone but it's it's unclear so the thing that excites me most is the northman which we're getting pretty soon, like a couple months. Oh, I forgot that was coming that's, out this year. That's, that's Eggers, which I'm all about. That's Hawk, which I'm all about. Oh. And well, I will he's s- not in most of the movies. I was going to say, having gone to see Moonfall last night, you know, my friends have made fun of me for years for like walking out of the theater 12 times to avoid the Uncut Gems trailer or to avoid the Midsommar trailer. But I wish I hadn't. Trailer. I did it for Licorice Pizza. I wish I hadn't seen the Northman trailer. It totally reaffirmed. Everyone said that it's Ur Hamlet. It's Hamlet. So oh, like, you I thought it was known. Conan the Barbarian. I didn't know off, maybe. any of that, and I resent you. So, anywho. Oh, sorry. No, it's good. All right. So, the Northman. So stoked for it. Hannah That's Blackman. Cool. Yeah. What movie would you novelize if given the chance? Oh, we know the answer to this. And? You know the answer to this forever. It's The Mummy 2017. Oh. <laughs> I, the trailer? Obvious. I love that because <laughs> it is the type of movie that in a previous era would just 100% get a novelization. It a goes hand in hand. So, Andrew Marco, what movie would you novelize if given the chance? Tremors. Incredible. Incredible. I'm shocked there isn't one for Tremors. Yeah. Devastating. Or anything David Lynch, honestly. Hurtful. You guys want to take a guess what my answer is? Uncut Gems. It is. And here's here's the reason. I love us. I love our predictability. We're pure and innocent people. Here's the basic pitch for the Uncut Gems novelization is that it's like a little once upon a time in Hollywood in that it's like two thirds of the chapters are from Howard's perspective and like one third of the chapters are from his brother-in-law's perspective. Cause that guy is a hundred percent the protagonist of his own story. His dick brother-in-law owes him money and won't give it back. <laughs> In this novelization, do we find out Adina Menzel has murdered like 70 people? <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. We find out why um, I'm going to butcher her name, but um, Pom Clementiev, is that her name? Sure. Mantis from yeah. Gardens of we the find out why featured in Mission Impossible 7. Yeah, we find out why she's walking out of Howard's apartment at the beginning of the movie, but then isn't in the rest of the movie. Great. Cool. Good. Write it. Andrew Marco, switching up the order. What has been your favorite episode to record so far? I have one word for you. I know. Greg. I figured. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, one proper noun. Hannah Blackman. Yeah. That's uh, it, um, Hannah Blackman. Yeah, uh, I, I would say again because I have no memories. What leaps to mind is Wild Wild West. 
Amazing. Like we had a good time. Such a fucking blast. Mine is Willow uh, because it was just exactly how I wanted to feel being one of the hosts of this podcast where we were like far into the episode and I was still being like, oh, and this is amazing, and this is amazing. Like, it just felt like the platonic ideal of our podcast. We were, like, really getting into the nitty-gritty of, like, a dense and beautiful object. That's really beautiful, Andrew. Thank you. Which upcoming authorized episode are you most eagerly anticipating, with the caveat that you cannot pick it based on a guest because people might flake on us? I would say we got some big blockbusters coming up, which I'm excited to see how they are adapted into novelization. Um, and also I have a copy of The Abyss on my shelf and someday we're gonna read that one. And I'm looking oh, forward yeah. to that if it's five years in the future. Absolutely, The Abyss is great. And also I get to go really hard on the author because that's written by noted like homophobe Orson Scott Card. This is devastating. Um, hopefully that won't, I mean, I knew that about him. I'd forgotten he wrote it, but. Hopefully it won't bleed too much into a, a book about a movie that I'm fascinated by. Sorry, on many levels. sorry to just tear down your dreams, but... No, no, it's fine. It'll be fine. fine. Andrew Marco. Yeah. Which upcoming authorized episode are you most eagerly anticipating? I'm going to cheat and say there are three. Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> well, so three? In this upcoming world, we have... The Jurassic Park 3 Junior Novelization, which is a book I read as a child, mm-hmm. so I'm excited to revisit it. I'm excited for our Friday the 13th mini season because I have no clue what that's going to be. And I'm excited for Dear Evan Hansen because uh. that is going to be a lot of energy in that episode that I am interested to experience. We have so many aspects of that object to talk about. It's insane. <laughs> My answer. Yes. Of course. I, I just didn't comment because I have no relationship to musicals, but I mean, he looks like a nice boy from all the photos. He's not. <laughs> uh, I am really excited for uh, Resident Evil, the final chapter. Just a bit of a, a season three teaser. Uh, the reason being that it's the sixth entry in a series I'm not familiar with. And I don't think we've really tackled an object like that yet. A novelization that has to carry the burden of being so far into a series like there aren't novelizations for all of the other five right who's to say (laughs) (laughs) check out point fair point (laughs) andrew i think yeah i think you missed the question yeah i did i'm ready to do it uh awesome hannah blackman what novelization would you like for the authorized novelizations podcast to cover well, Can I, I did, answer for Hannah? You, you may. You already said it's it. Flatliners. Well, I am excited for Flatliners. Here's and the deal. Mission I've Impossible. already read that book, and I've already read Mission Impossible like in my <laughs> life. So I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. But when I think to my own future, what I'm excited to read, it is The Abyss. Marco, same question, different answer. But I do want to yeah. force you guys to read and watch those things. So Is the Flatliners one right. good? It's not bad, yeah. It's okay. It's not amazing. I wish it was better. So the book that jumped out to me is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Ooh, nice. I didn't know that existed. Uh, it's a movie I love. It's on the list. Yeah. I guess I wrote the it down. Other one, <laughs> the other object that I'm like, I remember this movie being weird. I can only imagine a novel also being weird was me, myself, and Irene. Oh, yeah. Especially with all the, you know, personality stuff going on in that. I can imagine it, if done well, or even being done poorly, 
being an interesting uh, discussion. Mine is sort of an annoying guy who hosts a novelizations podcast answer, which is <laughs> I'm very excited to for us to read one of the um, alternate novelizations for a novelization we've already done. So I now have the Batman and Robin that is Hannah's childhood Batman and Robin, not the one I we read. I my copy. I'm really excited. <laughs> and uh, we don't have it on the calendar yet, but we're definitely going to do it. Um, and then I also have the Joan Vinge Willow, which is just a totally different mm. book. So one of those. Okay, listeners, authorized crumbs. Here's the deal. You got to follow the crumbs. They'll lead you <laughs> to the next episode. So here we go. Who's the little man now? Asked Alonzo. The surrounding workers erupted into cheers. Alonzo was transformed. He threw open the doors to the basement and freed Kevin and Chloe. Quickly, he called to them. Kevin looked at Chloe. Can we trust him? He asked her under his breath. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum. <laughs>